Center Inc. are covering local elections. They're asking these questions and more of candidates Mike Martucci, Jen Metzger, Megan Galligan, and Frank Labuda on the teen edition of Radio Chatskill, Saturday morning at 10. Namaste, and welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are, not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bill, and today on Bodhi Talk, I believe it's imperative that we as a global community wake up to the reality of how the ego thought system is wreaking havoc on the planet. Now, last week I focused on what I refer to as the triple pandemic. Uh, this pandemic is challenging, I, I would say, all of us uh, across the planet. There's the COVID-19, the institutional racism that's been getting so much attention, and also the effects of climate change. And what I'm saying, well, I did say last week that I would also speak this week about the holistic model, and I will do that, but my emphasis will be on the spiritual component of holism. Let me just get right into that holistic model. Uh, so the holistic model, uh, which is beginning to be more mainstream when I first began understanding it and practicing it in my own life back in the mid-70s, it was considered to be kind of a, a lunatic fringe uh, health nuts and all that were getting into all this stuff, but it is now becoming quite apparent that, like for example, how we eat affects our general health and well-being. Doctors are not even trained in nutrition, but we're now recognizing that the quality of the food we eat, how we eat it, when we eat it, all of that is very important. So attending to like the holistic model, mind, body, heart, soul, we need to address, of course, the physical level of our being. We want to strengthen, harmonize, and balance all of these levels. We could go into great depth onto any one of these, and I've done that in the past, but like I say, I really want to get to the, well, it's sort of a combination of the mind-spirit. Um, they're, they're almost synonymous, but spirit is essentially who we are, and again, Bodhi talk is about waking up to that spiritual nature. 
And if we just look at that in a scientific perspective, we understand that energy can never be destroyed. So you could say spirit and energy are also almost uh, on that same level of absolute being. And so as spirit, we have a body temporarily as, again, this difficult for a lot of people to wrap their mind around because of all the distortions about reincarnation, but... Let's just uh, go with the concept that we have been here many times before with many more lifetimes yet to come. But the essence of who we are is eternal, invulnerable spirit. It will never die. And so essentially looking at what it is that we are all about as spirit. And again, looking is the, the key to the waking up process. And when I say looking, it, it's about really cultivating that capacity. Actually, what makes us human is our prefrontal cortex, which gives us the capacity to think critically, to, to use a discriminative perspective that allows us to cut through the, the BS, the nonsense, to just look at what the truth is without allowing it to be flavored by all these distorting, uh, clouding, concepts. And so cultivating that discriminative, critical kind of thinking and looking honestly at what it is that's happening. And this applies again to that triple pandemic. And I would say that it, it goes even beyond what I've just described. There's the, yeah, there's the virus, COVID-19. There's institutional racism, which is actually a mindset that goes very deep. And it's it's really uh, moving into this whole battleground perspective, the ego thought system, which uh, is like a cancer that's just, oh, spreading throughout our culture. And it has actually been the dominant paradigm for thousands of years, actually. And there are many who are uh, considering uh, the the shift in paradigm as something essentially about moving out of the sphere-based system into a more love-based system, out of a uh, primarily patriarchal culture to a more matriarchal, perhaps, where we, we certainly need to recognize the feminine and the, well, the, the quality of what the feminine perspective may bring into our culture will be a kind of a foundational uh, mindset that helps us step out of that ego and the fear-based stuff. And again, this is a process that has been occurring for quite a while. And what I'm uh, suggesting here is that, uh, again, I, I want to point out, this is not about politics. It's about a loving, honest, and scientifically based way of becoming mindfully present. That's where at the end of each of these shows, I guide you through an exercise I call the Namaste Booster, which is about cultivating this uh, way of perceiving from, from love, from truth, from the ancient wisdom that understands that we are all in this together. We are all interrelated. We're all connected. So the insanity of the battleground is recognized as something that we need to step out of and let go of. 
the battleground is that uh, that zero-sum kind of mindset where I win, you lose, where you're separate. Not only that, you're my enemy, and I need to defend against you and my perception that you're attacking me, and I need to counterattack that. That needs to be replaced with the understanding that we have no enemies. We have people that simply are mistaken in their perception. And that, again, is where we need to cultivate this clear perception of the loving truth that we all share. Now, <clears throat> this is something that I've been looking at for many years. And the perspective that I'm suggesting about this classroom, where we're waking up to our spiritual nature and how we all share in that. This is something that I was really delving into very deeply as I was working in, well, it's Farview State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. It's now a, a state prison. Uh, but while I was there, it was a place where people were sent from prisons all over the state to be treated for their mental illness, basically. And so I had an opportunity over the almost 13 years that I worked there, to really get to know these beings which came into this world, pure, divine, loving individuals, and yet they were shaped by their environment to become, as some would refer to them, the lowest of the low. And we're talking about murderers, rapists, child molesters. And... I had an opportunity to really get into their minds and hearts, and I had access to their charts, reading their psychological, social history, and uh, and then getting to uh, know them in pretty long discussions. I was actually a guard there, a psychiatric security aide. And so my function was to basically help maintain uh, safety for everybody. And... Uh, rather than just sitting on the sides, as many of the other PSAs would do, I I spent time walking and talking and getting to know these individuals, and I, I recognized that, yeah, I, I could certainly never condone or excuse their behavior, but what I recognized was that with what they were encountering, how could they do anything but what they did? Again, it's it's not about condemning them or... Uh, letting them off the hook. There needs to be natural, logical consequences to behavior. And I would, of course, question the wisdom of what are called correctional facilities as to whether there is actually a correcting of their distorted thinking. I think we have a long way to go. And as we move into a new paradigm, all levels of our society may be affected by this. We're not going to have any kind of utopian. I don't want to give the impression that I'm seeing a piece of, or a, a world at peace. Uh, that's simply never going to happen. But we can make a significant shift in the way that we see each other and the way we relate with each other. And I would just point out that there was one person in, in particular that I got to know very well. He happened to be convicted of uh, a, a pretty gruesome murder for which he was given a natural life sentence and he's still in prison, uh, and I still have contact with him now. I uh, reconnected with him just in the last several months, actually. Uh, but he had been, well, I would say, one of my best students in that he sought me out, having heard that I 
teach yoga and meditation. And to the degree that was practical in the context of living in the prison setting, he was uh, very deeply affected by the perspective that I was guiding him to understand. He's got a lot of work yet to do, but uh, he would actually go back and forth from the prison to Farview over the nine years uh, that I was working as a guard, and then later I was working in another capacity, and I continued having contact with him. And so uh, the perspective that I've been drawing from is mainly uh, grounded in A Course in Miracles and to recognize that this spiritual perspective is something that has really become uh, a kind of uh, growing clarity as I've integrated all the other systems that I've studied from being a, a preacher's kid in the Methodist Church and then moving into atheism at a very young age and then moving into Eastern concepts and then ultimately moving back into an appreciation of a Christian perspective as it's presented in A Course in Miracles, which I wouldn't really call Christian, but it's a psychologically oriented system of spirituality as the basic uh, perspective. So again, uh, I'm pointing out that I, I don't intend to get political, but I, I do think that it's imperative that we recognize how serious the circumstances are across the planet. And when I consider the mindset of our current president, I see someone who's been influenced from childhood on by forces guaranteed to entrench him in the ego-based, fear-dominated, battleground perspective. From his father to Attorney Cohn, who was Joe McCarthy's guide during the whole McCarthy era, and uh, interestingly, uh, the perspective that uh, Trump's family was involved with the, the church run by Norman Vincent Peale. And that's where he always, <laughs> he never admits failure, which was, uh, I would say, probably from a more spiritually oriented perspective than Trump was able to cultivate himself. He was recommending that we recognize that what we're focusing on is uh, a goal that we need to stay clearly focused and never give up, never concede defeat. And when you look at how Trump has integrated that into his perspective, even when it's clearly uh, wrong to everybody around him, he will refuse to admit that. And And I would actually say this is something that might sound strange, uh, but I would say that this is probably the best thing that could have happened to our world culture, to have somebody who was putting it right out there so we can see how the ego thought system, with all its denial, rationalization, projection, and all of the other distorted and deceitful ways that the ego maintains its uh, presence in the world. And you get somebody who has that kind of power, president of the most powerful country on the planet, uh, emulating those ideas, it, it really makes us stand back and look at what what does this really mean? And when you tie in the social media and how we're getting drawn into these rabbit holes with QAnon, and I, I won't go into all the details, but it, we're in a really chaotic and confused state. And Again, the holistic model, 
we need to come from a deeper sense of what spirituality really is and how we are all interrelated. We're all living on this very fragile planet and we need to take care of ourselves and every being living on this planet. And ultimately, we need to take care of self. And I capitalize the S in self to distinguish it from the ego self to the true self of who we are related, interrelated with all being. Now, I mentioned A Course in Miracles, and I just wanted to read a passage right at the beginning of the text where it talks about the golden rule. Now, again, um, the Course is really developing the psychological perspective of how we can understand spirituality. And this says, You respond to what you perceive, and as you perceive, so shall you behave. The golden rule asks you to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This means that the perception of both must be accurate. And I, I stress that, uh, interject my own thoughts about that. We need to know that uh, how we perceive ourselves as a divine being and then to see other as a divine being, those need to both be understood from that perspective. And it goes on to say, the golden, this means that the perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive correctly. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of one family, as you, as you perceive both, so you will do to both. You should look out from the perception of your own holiness to the holiness of others. And that basically says what I've been talking about and calling it the namaste principle. When we make that greeting namaste, we're saying the, the holiness, the, the purity, the divinity that is within me meets, greets, prays to the divinity within you. And that, I would say, is where we really need to go, cultivating a spiritually-based perspective of mindfulness, looking very deeply beneath the clouds of all the distortion, all the negativity, all the, the ego stuff that may contaminate any individual. And remember that as wrong, as dysfunctional, as disheartening as it may appear to be, there is this divine presence that we need to always remember. And not to take it personally, but to respond in a loving way, not counterattacking uh, the distorted understanding that there's an attack that we need to defend against, but recognizing that if that person knew better, they would do better. If they had somehow not been shaped to be so hateful and driven by greed and fear and all of the negative emotions entailed in fear, they would not do what they're doing. And rather than stirring it up, which I would have to say that uh, Republican-Democrat, both sides and any other sides that you might bring into this picture, are still caught up in that basic mindset, that zero-sum kind of thinking, where there's a need to get even, and it's driven by fear, and we need to come from love. And 
I think of, actually, this is a very profound statement made by Churchill during World War II. Be calm and carry on. And I would just say that 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 sort of adds to this foundation that we're talking about here. So what we're needing to do is move a little more deeply, incrementally, just even though we may not totally accept this concept, to begin recognizing that the way we have been living, governed by all these hateful, fear-based beliefs and attitudes, where is that getting us? Only deeper. We're only basically throwing gas on the fire. What we need to do is recognize the insanity of all of that and consider that there may be another way. And what I would suggest is love has the answer to that. Spirit is the key. Mindfully looking at ourselves and each other and the whole relationship of what that manifests. So this is where the whole process of cultivating mindfulness of spirit and like I of course I'm drawing from A Course in Miracles which has really sort of uh, been a very congruent system that in a way has transcended all these other systems I've studied which were also guided by love and again the basic system of Christianity that I was introduced to as a child and later the concepts of Hinduism, and later moving more deeply into uh, Advaita Vedanta, which is a more sophisticated uh, manifestation of Hinduism. And then there's also Buddhist thought, the Four Noble Truths of Buddha. And actually in Islam, especially in the Sufi tradition, uh, there's the same message. So there's no one way. There's actually thousands of ways to move into this. I'm just putting labels on it that have worked for me and drawing from a system, A Course in Miracles, that has really helped uh, ground me in a deeper understanding. But it was really yoga and meditation that brought me into the holistic perspective. But I see, though, that the essence of even that model, spirituality, has not been fully developed because we're such a materialistic society. And we need to move out of the materialism into a more spiritually oriented perspective. And that, that takes practice. And it's something that, actually, I've been involved in this for over 43 years. And I've still got work to do. And that's one thing I mentioned last week, that the pandemic has taught me that I've got an ego <laughs> that needs to be grounded more deeply in love and truth. And so the uh, the work ahead of us is deep. And again, not to be overwhelmed by the immensity of the task, just chipping away little by little. Be calm and carry on. And so this practicing, this mindfulness, what it is that I generally... Uh, find to be a very deep foundational practice is that of meditation, what I call mindfulness. And in a few moments, I'm going to, again, guide you through this mindfulness 
exercise that I call the Namaste Booster. I'm going to add to that the work with mantra. And I'm going to talk about Soham. Soham means I am that. So we're going to begin the Namaste Booster now. And I'm going to be playing Coyote Oldman in Medicine River in the background. Become aware of where you are in time and space and become present in this moment and allow your breath to guide you into the eternity of now. Just gently breathing in, breathing out, and with that you may find a natural releasing of tension physically. Just letting go of any tightness that isn't necessary to uh, sit or walk or do whatever you're doing right now. And just allow a letting go to fill you. Letting go of tension, not just physical, but letting go of any concerns about the past or the future, just for now. Just letting go, realizing that there's nothing that you have to do in this moment and to cultivate the witness as you do that. And again, with each breath, hear that sound so as you breathe in, hum as you breathe out. And just allow this process to be one in which you now return to awareness of time and space. And remember to practice this. I only gave you a few moments to do this, but it's something that you can extend to 10, 15, 20 minutes once a day, maybe twice a day, and it may become a part of you throughout the day. So now, I just want to uh, express my appreciation for Jay Merrill, who created the Bodhi Talk theme music, and also to Thane Peterson, who's guiding me to get to the point where I can record this Bodhi Talk show every Saturday morning, or actually, this is being recorded Friday. Uh, you're hearing it tomorrow morning. So that's the Bodhi Talk theme music. So thanks to Jay, to Thane, and especially thanks to you for listening and for supporting public radio. And remember, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste.
is Angela Page. And as you know, Sundays at 4 is Folk Plus Hour. And this week, modern protest songs. How far do you have to go to call it murder in the first degree? All you need to know, the man said he couldn't breathe. Modern protest songs. For next Sunday at 4, Folk Plus, or anytime on the archive. From river to river, mountain to mountain, we are Radio Catskill. Funds for Bookworm are provided in part by Lannan Foundation. Books. Where would we be without them?